This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now, as is our want at the start of the show at this stage each Tuesday, we're going to have a chat about COVID-19 from a national and international perspective with the head of biology and director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University, Professor Paul Moyna. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Jerry. Paul, I want to talk to you about, well, I think it's exciting news myself in terms of the search for a vaccine. But first, I have to say, looking at the number of new cases and the deaths, every one of which are tragic, but they're falling dramatically. The lockdown has worked, Paul. Yeah, it's a good sign, Jerry. And as you say, the numbers are decreasing. And um, yeah, both in terms of positive cases and the number of uh, deaths. And it's probably something that we would have hoped to have seen and expected to see based on the various restrictions that have been uh, put into place. So certainly good. And obviously the challenge now is as restrictions are lifted, try to keep those numbers as low as possible. So that's the big challenge now. With the reopening, and it began yesterday, and you certainly can see the di- the uh, difference out and about, even though it's only phase one. When would you expect we'd get an assessment of the opening up? Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, as regards an increase in cases or that it's staying the same or it's falling. How many days will that take? Yeah, so usually if you look at uh, when somebody is infected, usually takes maybe five to six days before somebody would show symptoms. So generally, the first um, sign of anything happening in terms of increased infections would typically be a week later, but usually they use use a time period between one to two weeks. What they've done in terms of this phased uh, removal of the restrictions is to give themselves a little bit of a buffer zone, so to give themselves three weeks rather than two weeks. So after two weeks, you'd have a pretty good sense in terms of if the lifting of the restrictions is leading to increased number of uh, positive cases. Uh, and then to give an additional week to see if that can be brought back down or if we can move into the next phase. But usually between seven to ten days, I would say, Jerry, you would begin to see if you notice as an appreciable effect. You're a fan, then, I take it, of the three-week intervals between each of the phases because I'm hearing so many people at this stage saying, oh, look, it's too long. Bring it back to a fortnight between each. Yeah, I would be. I would probably be somewhat sympathetic towards that. Um, so the three-week period, I think probably after two weeks, I think we'd be in a good position to see if the lifting of the restrictions during that two-week phase period uh, is leading to increased numbers. So again, I'd probably be more in favour in terms of maybe showing a little bit more urgency towards uh, exiting lockdown because I think I've said this to you before, Jerry, that when I look at the data both nationally and internationally, 
I think the effectiveness of social distancing, good hygiene uh, is very, very strong. And the additional effect you get in lockdown, you get, you do get a small effect. But I think the social distancing and the hygiene is really, really important. So the important point is we move away from these uh, restrictions. If you combine um, those with a very good testing and tracing, I think hopefully we'll be in a position where we can uh, suppress transmission of the virus and then move from one phase to the next. Now, I mentioned a moment ago I'm excited, so I'm waiting for you either to uh, boost my excitement or pour cold water on it, because as we all know, the search for a vaccine is worldwide. They say 80 plus teams around the world in various countries. Again, I want to ask you this first. Is it competition or cooperation? Uh, Probably both, uh, Jerry. Having said that, mostly cooperation, I would say. Uh, but there is an organisation that was actually established by Bill Gates, a sort of a global alliance involving a number of governments, uh, funding agencies, um, industry, where they've come together and they're looking at the possibility of developing a number of vaccines in parallel with the hope then that there will be some agreement reached at the end of this. If there is a successful vaccine, that there would be an agreement in terms of you know the manufacturer of these vaccines and more importantly in terms of how the distributors and how they're allocated to different countries. Um, so with that in mind, certainly there's cooperation, but obviously like a lot of companies, they're into profit and there is a degree of competition. Uh, so competition, some cooperation uh, as well. So on the vaccine front, Jerry, the, yeah, there's um, I think there's at least seven trials going on now at the moment. Over the last one to two weeks, some promising data coming out. So again, just to give the listeners a perspective, there's different ways of going around trying to design a vaccine. So there's a Chinese company called Sinovac. Now what they've done is they've basically inactivated, so uh, taken the SARS coronavirus 2, inactivated that, and then used that as the basis for a vaccine. And they've already shown in monkeys, for example, if monkeys are administered with this vaccine three weeks later, they're protected from infection uh, by the virus. The group then in Oxford, based in the Jenner Institute, they've used a slightly different approach. They've used what's called a viral vector vaccine. And basically what they've done is they've used a vaccine that doesn't replicate in cells, so it doesn't multiply when it goes into your body. And what they've done is they've taken one of the genes from the SARS coronavirus to put it into that virus. And again, they released studies there, I think it was on Sunday, and what they showed again in monkeys was that it protected the monkeys from disease. So if you challenge the monkeys then with the virus, the disease isn't as bad or they're protected from disease. But it was quite interesting, they weren't protected from infection. So whereas the Sinovac one in China showed protection from infection by the virus and disease, the one in Oxford showed protection from disease but not infection. And then yesterday, again, you may have come across this and your listeners a company called Moderna, they're using a completely new approach that's never been used uh, in humans before. And this is where they take one of the viral genes, so it's it's made up of a substance called RNA, and they sort of package that in a layer of fat, and then they can inject that in, and they've actually given that to people. So yesterday they released studies, then very preliminary studies with eight people, and when that's administered, they could show that all eight people to produce neutralizing antibodies. So if you took a blood sample from these people, you could show in the laboratory that those antibodies block the ability of the virus to infect cells in the lab. So they're called neutralizing antibodies. So certainly that was very positive. And if you look at it in terms of how that was received, certainly in terms of the 
share price for Moderna itself, and more generally, that was received very positively. But it's still early, Jerry. That's yes, can produce antibodies, but in terms of whether it can actually protect you from the virus or not, that remains to be seen. But again, some promise. Just back to Oxford, and you're familiar, I'm sure, with Professor John Bell, who um, spoke about this uh, late last week. Um, just you might explain this to, to listeners. Um, he's talking about having 1,100 people in a trial. 50% of them get the vaccine. The other half are a control group that they give a meningitis vaccine to. Would you just explain that, please? Yeah, so in any, if, if you're looking at the effect of any drug, um, you always have to use what's known as a placebo. So this is basically, so let's say you just had, you treated everybody with the drug and you saw everybody having an effect. The question then is, is it actually due to that drug or is it due to some other, it could be maybe a psychological effect where people are beginning Mm. to feel better or whatever. So you always have to have what's known as a control arm. So that's a number of individuals who haven't received, in this case, the vaccine and see how they respond. So, for example, in the case of what I've just described there to you, one of these vaccines if it's injected into, let's say, 100 individuals and then another 100 individuals don't get that, get something similar but not the vaccine itself. And then three weeks later, you may come along and ask the question, do they actually produce antibodies against whatever the vaccine uh, contained? So the population, the 100 that got the vaccine, if they got the, if they produced the antibody and the others who didn't get the vaccine didn't, well, then that would show you it was due to the vaccine. But let's say all 200 people, irrespective of whether they got the vaccine or not, they produced antibodies, then that would show you that it was nothing to do with the vaccine. So it's always important. It's what's called a controlled experiment. And it's always important to compare the effectiveness of the vaccine or a new drug with a placebo. And I take it the individuals who volunteer to partake don't know which they get. No, they don't know uh, which to get. So in terms of the trials, the trials is usually split into three phases. So the first phase one is done in a small number of healthy individuals. Uh, and that's really to affect not so much. Now, with vaccines, you can look at the effectiveness as well because you can look at the generation of these antibodies. But generally, phase one trials is just to assess safety, just to make sure that it doesn't do any harm. And what you would typically do is administer a number of different doses and to get a sense that the different doses produce any damaging or uh, side effects. Then you would move on to phase two larger number of individuals and not only look for safety but also in terms of effectiveness and then phase three would be essentially phase two but on a much larger scale and that's why these phase trials to take time and that's why it's very difficult to condense even the development of a vaccine it's impossible to bypass those steps because you need first of all to show that it's safe and secondly that it's effective so they're the three phase trials that would be performed now for any of the vaccines that are currently in development. So do I take it from what you say that, like, just to cool the jets a bit with people, there won't be a vaccine in this calendar year. There may be one next year. Is that fair? Uh, probably, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, and even at that, like, even next year, if we get it done, and we if there was if there is one, uh, and you know it, it's available next year, that'll be an incredible achievement for science because there are viruses out there like HIV, for example. Uh, hepatitis C. Uh, we've been trying for about 20 years to make a vaccine against them and have failed. So it's not an insignificant task. And then not alone, even vaccines that have been developed typically can take seven to 10 years. So to try to condense that down into a year or 18 months is, would be an incredible uh, feat for science. But certainly, you know, over the last couple of weeks, 
the data that's coming out would give you some hope and some of the labs are very bullish and very confident about, you know, getting something within the next year or so. So certainly we hope, but by this time next year, later this year, I think certainly we'll be in a better position to be able to evaluate the likelihood of a vaccine uh, coming on stream. So this means that for the foreseeable, we must live with this. And if we continue the suppression, even with the opening up the way we have, can we live with it, Paul? Can it be part of our human existence that it will be there? There will be cases we have to treat with them, their various degrees, ending up with some people in intensive care and on ventilators. Is that the scenario going forward from now till the end of the year into next year? I think any strategy that the country, the government come up with, comes up with, I think it all, all that strategy always has to take into account worst case scenario. And that worst case scenario is if we don't get a vaccine or if we don't, the other possibility uh, is the generation of antivirals, of the identification of mm. antivirals. But I think you have to plan worst case scenario. Let's say neither of them are uh, developed. So with that in mind, and again, as we move, leave restrictions, we then move to a situation where we're looking at the maintenance of social distancing, good ethic, uh, hygiene etiquette, but also combining that with testing and tracing. Testing and tracing is the tool, it's the technology that we have to try to live with this virus and suppress it. So it's really important as cases are identified to trace the contacts. You know, very positive news during the last couple of days where now the national ten- testing system is going to t- test all contacts, all contacts, whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic. And that's a really good thing. And I think with that approach, and if we can combine that with the speed of testing, so we get it down to one or two days. I know at the moment they're aiming for three days, but it makes such an incredible difference if you can do that testing and tracing within one to two days. I think we're then at a situation where we begin to suppress and live with this virus. In terms of completely eliminating it, I know some people have said that. Even if you look at the mathematics and the modelling around that, the OR number, once that stays below one, in theory, the the virus will burn itself out over time. But that would that could take one to two years before we get rid of all the virus. And then secondly, we're not we're not living in a closed system. So what I mean by that is, you know, people will be coming into the country from other countries. And even if we were to eliminate all the virus in the country, you still have the risk of the virus being brought into the country. So that's another thing I think as we move forward, not only testing and tracing, but we need to get very strict in terms of controlling movement into the country at our ports, at our seaports, and our airports, whether that be 14-day quarantine or come up with a testing system that allow people to be tested very quickly. And then the third part of that is alignment with Northern Ireland as well. There's obviously there's a land border there. The virus doesn't recognise that border. So that's all really important. I think if we get those three things, the testing and tracing, the control of in, um, flow of people into the country and alignment with the north, we can get to a situation where we, you know, we can begin to get back to a more normal living. A lot done, more to do, I think, sums it up. Paul, brilliant as usual. I appreciate you. I say it again, joining us on the show. Please, God, we'll talk a week today. Thank you for taking the call. You're very welcome, Jerry. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.